0: Why are you putting that pint glass or whatever in the oven with the ham? What's what's the purpose of that? Oh, I don't know. My mother always did that. So then she asked her mom, Mom, why do we always put that glass jar? And then she goes, Well, I don't know. My mother always did that. We'd have to ask your grandma. So they go ask grandma, Grandma, why did we always put this jar of water or whatever in the oven And she says, oh, because my rack was uneven and I didn't want all the juices to go to one end of the ham. It balanced it out. That was it. But they just did it because it was done and they saw someone do it, so they did it. And I thought, wow, how often do we do something just because it was always done that way? And we don't stop and think about the why is it being done that way? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity that you've blessed each and every one of us with. And I praise you, Father, for how you have been with Reuben and you've touched his body, Lord, and, and you've heard the prayers of, that have gone up before you on his behalf and you've answered them. I thank you for that. I thank you for being with Tana and what you're doing in her life and, and others that are not here this morning and how you are with them right this very moment and that you are working all things out to your glory and we thank you for it. So, Lord, we give you this time that we have. And, Father, I just ask that you just open all of our hearts and our minds to understand what communion is all about. And may we never forget why we do it. And I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm thirsty. (laughs) Would you like one? You can get some out there. I'm not sharing mine. (laughs) Oh, in Exodus, communion, what we call communion, is also known as the Lord's Supper. It also began as the Passover, and it started in Exodus chapter 12. And I'm not going to read all of that. I'm just kind of going to pick out a few verses from Exodus chapter 12. But we know at this time the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt, And Moses had been called to lead God's chosen people, the Israelites, out of bondage from Egypt. And there had been plagues that had been brought on the Egyptians, so Pharaoh would let God's people go. And he just kept holding on. He wasn't about to let these people go. There was thousands and thousands of these people that were now slaves and did all the work. The Egyptians didn't have to do anything. The Israelites did it for them. So why in the world would Pharaoh want to let these people go? But God chose Moses to be the leader to get the Israelites out of Egypt. And the Passover came about because of God and freeing the Israelites. And the whole story about the Passover is in Exodus chapter 12. But one of the things I wanted to point out was in chapter 12, verse 5, that God is telling Moses to allow the Israelites to get a lamb. This is part of the Passover meal. He says, your lamb shall be without blemish, meaning it can't be sick, it can't have scars, it has to be perfect in all the ways it can be perfect. And it had to be a male of the first year. It says, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And then they're supposed to keep it for a certain amount of time. And then they are supposed to butcher this lamb. In verse 7, it says, you shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat of the flesh on that night, roasted on fire with unleavened bread and with the bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire. Its head with its legs and its entrails, you shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is as the Lord's. So this day shall be to you as a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout all your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. That's the first part of Passover. But God gave specific instructions on exactly how they needed to do it. And I thought it was rather interesting how they had to be ready. Sandals on their feet. Get your staff in your hand. Get that belt around your waist and be ready. Why? They had to be ready because when Pharaoh said this time, get these people out of here, they needed to leave. It wasn't do this and then when Pharaoh says go, then take the time and pack up your belongings and then you can leave. Why? Pharaoh would have changed his mind again as he already had. But God said be ready. Be ready because when the time comes and you need to leave... There's no looking back. And when I set you free, you are free indeed. Be ready. Be ready to go. But the importance is of the lamb. Without blemish. No sin. Another important part here is unleavened bread. Now we can look back in history and we can say, well, back in that time, they might not have had the yeast like we do. We can put in bread, allow the bread to rise. It still takes time for bread to to be ready to bake takes hours for bread to bake they didn't have time so some people say well because of the time and god wanted them to hurry and be ready to leave they just didn't put any leaven in it anything that causes the bread to rise that would take more time but it's more to it than that you see the apostle paul tells us in corinthians the fifth chapter that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump He says, therefore, put aside all the wickedness, because a little bit of wickedness takes over everything. Leaven was symbolic of sin. A little bit of sin in the life of a human being destroys that human's soul. A little leaven goes a long way. So the symbolism of unleavened bread... Not just that they were in a hurry, but they had to be pure. They had to be set apart for what God wanted. And they couldn't be set apart with sin in their heart. And God went on to explain that if anyone keeps any leaven in their house, Because they would make this fermented bread. When they would make their bread, they would have to leave it sit for a long time. And then they would go and they would knead it again. And they would leave part of that dough that had been fermented and they would save it. So for when they did the next loaf and then they would take that little bit, mix up a new batch of flour and water and whatever else they put in to make their bread. And then that would cause that bread to rise and they'd save a piece of that and they would keep it so they could keep using it over and over. Well, God said none of that could even be found in their house during this time. Completely free from leaven. And that's what. As we prepare ourselves for communion, we have to be completely free from the sin that destroys us. Even some that we think nobody else knows about, the hidden sins, God knows. He told them in in Exodus here, do not even hide this in your house or you will be cast out. You won't be part of Israel anymore. Why? Because they disobeyed God. If he says, get rid of it, you get rid of it. You don't try to hold on to it any longer. So the ordinance for Passover was given through Moses. And in Exodus 12:24 it says, And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you just as he promised, and you shall keep his service And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service, that you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and they worshiped. The Old Testament, as we know, It is a reflection of things to come. It's also symbolized in the Bible as the moon. The moon is the reflection of the sun. The Old Testament was a reflection of Jesus Christ in the church that was going to be coming as a new covenant. Last Sunday, we read the scripture in John chapter 6, where Jesus made this statement in verses 53 through 57. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in him in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. They didn't quite understand all of that. But yet something significant took place right before Christ's crucifixion you see it was the time of Passover again they had celebrated it from the time in Exodus and when the Israelites did it in Egypt and God passed over them he did not judge them he judged the Egyptians and the Egyptians the firstborn among the Egyptians and all the beasts of the field was was destroyed God cast judgment on them they were not serving him They were not following him. But anyone who obeyed God and followed what Moses, God had put on Moses' heart to tell the people of Israel this is what they had to do. Everyone who obeyed and had the blood on their door frames was spared that night. Judgment didn't come upon them because they obeyed. So this Passover meal has been experienced every year down through time, and now Jesus is on the scene, and it is time for Passover. And Jesus told his disciples, and there was more, by the way, there was more than just the 12. There were more than just 12 disciples. As it tells us in God's word at this time, as they were getting ready for Passover, Jesus told the disciples to go and find this man who was carrying this pitcher. He said, you'll know him by what he's carrying and go up to him and say, prepare an upper room in your house for the master and his disciples are coming to observe Passover. So disciples went and did that. But then we read a little bit further and it says a little bit later, Jesus and the twelve showed up for what the disciples had already had prepared. They prepared the upper room for the Passover feast. And Jesus was looking forward to this time with his disciples because he knew that this was the last time that he would have any kind of meal with them. Hence, the last supper, the Lord's Supper. I thought it was interesting in Exodus 12 that when Moses told the people that when they tell their children why they do this, it's because it is the Passover of the sacrifice Of the Lord. He didn't say the sacrifice of a lamb. He said, You tell your children, we do this service, we eat the unleavened bread and we drink of the fruit of the vine, and we go through this process because it is the Passover of the sacrifice of the Lord. Do you see it? Foretelling in the Old Testament of what was to come in the New Testament through Jesus Christ. So now Jesus is with his disciples and they're in this upper room and they're getting ready to partake of the Passover. Everything had been prepared according to what Moses had given to the Israelites in Egypt. It had been passed down generation after generation. Hundreds of years have gone by and they're observing this Passover. Now Jesus says something very significant about the Passover. In Mark, the 14th chapter, starting with verse 22, they're getting ready to, to take the Passover. And as they were eating... Jesus took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Prior to that time was when he told the disciples that his flesh, that we had to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood in order to have eternal life. And now he's bringing it full circle and he's showing them this is what the the Passover, the sacrifice of the Lord is all about. That bread represents my body, which is broken. Now we've seen pictures of little loaves of bread or flat bread and it's passed around from one person to another and they break off a piece. In fact, at the International Youth Convention, at their last service, they do a silent walk through the city where the convention is held and they go meet in a park and you get with your group and there's a time of worship and a time of prayer and then leaders go and they get a little unleavened loaf of bread and they get juice and they take it back to their group and they have communion And we pass that loaf of bread from one person to the other and they break off just a piece, just like the disciples did. I have a hard time sharing a cup with somebody. But that is part of what the disciples did. They shared that cup. Some churches today, they share that cup. I have a hard time with that myself. But... You take that juice and then you, you go through the process of communion. And that's what Jesus was showing them. As they're passing this bread around and they're breaking it off, He's saying, this is my body being broken for you. Now He didn't have any broken bones in His body. God's Word tells us that. But He was beaten beyond recognition. He took the punishment that we were supposed to take he stood in the way you know every time we go to do communion and i think about what christ did for us i'm reminded of my uncle and my aunt my uncle bob and my aunt i called her smiley i thought that was her name but her real name's gracie it's been about 10 years ago now and they were walking they were at their grandkids ball game went to go get something to drink, and they were crossing Old I-5 in the state of Oregon. Got what they needed, and they were crossing that road again on the crosswalk. The light had turned red for the vehicle, so they were crossing the street. But the sun was shining, pretty bright that day. My uncle happened to see a van speeding towards them. It would have hit my aunt he pulled her out of the way and he took the hit and died. That's what Jesus did for us. When we take communion we look at that bread that is a piece of his body that stood in our place when we should have been the ones being punished. That's him. That's him. In the blood, taking of the blood, What Jesus told them in in Mark, His blood, that that juice represented the blood, and that blood represented a new covenant, a new covenant. Think about this, the Old Testament time. Who did the people have to go to when they wanted to find out what God wanted them to do? They had to go to a prophet or they had to go to a priest They just didn't have a direct line to God. Jesus came on the scene. He is the new covenant. That's why we have the New Testament. And He created a way for us to go to Him. And He has the direct connection, more so than any other human being alive, to God the Father, the Creator. We now go to Jesus Christ We can go to each other for encouragement. We can listen to preachers preach and get fed spiritual food. But I can't forgive you of your sins. You can't forgive me of my sins unless we've sinned against each other. Only Jesus Christ can forgive sins. Our sins. Because when we sin against one another, we're sinning against God. He that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. And that's why Jesus came. That's why we have communion. That's why it said in Exodus that the the Passover was the sacrifice of our Lord. Jesus Christ sacrificed himself in our place. Just like my uncle took the place of my aunt and took the full force of a 75 mile an hour van. And it killed him. Jesus saw what was coming for us. What was foretold in Exodus. That unless you have the blood of the Lamb around your door. Unless we have the blood of the Lamb on our heart's door. When God passes judgment on people. The death angel comes and they are destroyed. Without the blood of the lamb on their door. The new covenant is Jesus Christ. We don't have to go to a priest or a rabbi or some other so-called holy man. We can go straight to Jesus Christ and we partake of the bread. We partake of that wine. They call it wine. I hate that word wine because it's used in different ways. Depending on the context, it can be fermented alcoholic beverage or it can also be a non-fermented drink. But there's something else. Remember leaven? A little bit of leaven goes a long way. And they were not to have anything of leaven, which means it's fermented. Now think of this. Jesus was without sin. Tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. The bread in the communion is made without yeast. It's unleavened. It is not fermented. Because Jesus was without sin. The juice that we drink is non-alcoholic. It is not fermented. Jesus' blood was without sin. We are not to partake of something that is fermented when we are to honor Jesus Christ with the bread and the juice that we drink because He was without sin. And fermentation goes a long way and fermentation in the Bible is symbolic of sin and sin is destruction. Jesus was without sin. And just so you know, there is no alcohol and when we partake of communion, We are honoring the fact that our Lord and Savior was the sacrifice for our sin. He was without sin. None of that stuff was to be found in the house of the Israelites or they would not have been set free from the bondage of Egypt. None of that fermentation, none of that sin can be found in our lives if we want to have eternal life with Jesus Christ. And the only way that that is not in our life is if we give it to Jesus Christ and let Him take it for us as He did when He went to the cross. He was the sacrifice once and for all. The end of animal sacrifices for sin. He was the Lamb of God that was without blemish. He was pure and He was holy. He didn't deserve to take our punishment but he took it in our place so we could live with him and have eternal life. He did it for us. When we take of communion, it's not just because we've always done it. It's not because of it being a ritual or a tradition. Because Jesus himself said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Do it in remembrance of Jesus Christ, what he did for us. His body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us. So when we accept him, we are no longer condemned, but we go from life to life everlasting because of what Jesus did for us. Paul takes it one step, a little bit deeper. In Corinthians, first Corinthians, chapter 11. One of the things about the Greeks and the Corinthians is they knew how to celebrate. They had feasts. They did all kinds of stuff and they made a big party out of everything. And Paul had to bring them back to reality of why are we doing this? Why are we having this Passover? Why are we observing the Passover? You're not supposed to come hungry and eat everything that you think you can get your hands on. No, because Passover is too significant for that. It's a time to take a look at self. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 23, Drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, here's a warning. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Hmm. The significance of the Passover it was all about the sacrifice of the Lord. It was all about the reason he came. We knew at Christmas we celebrate Jesus' birth. He came for the main purpose to be crucified for our sins. That's why he came. And the only way, the only way, That we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ is to accept Jesus into our heart, into our life, and ask him to forgive us of our sins. That's why he was nailed to the cross. Every sin ever committed was nailed to that cross. We just have to believe it, and we have to accept his forgiveness. But he's not just going to come around and say, Oh, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Oh, you're not, but you're forgiven, you're forgiven. No, it doesn't work that way. He forgives anyone who asks. Anyone who comes to him and says, Father, would you please, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and come into my life. And he does. He does. It's not about when you pray or where you pray or what direction you face when you pray. It's about your heart. That's why the Apostle Paul says, examine yourself. And I know we've heard this many different times. Take a look inside before you take communion. Make sure your heart's right with Jesus Christ. It's a serious thing. But it's also a time of celebration. Think about how the Israelites celebrated. Even though there was weeping and crying and screaming in the streets of Egypt that night. When the firstborn among the Egyptians and among all the animals was killed because of the judgment of the Lord passing over them. But those that followed and obeyed God and had the blood over their doors and took unleavened bread and got rid of anything that was fermented in their house, they were spared. And that death angel passed right over them. And they were able to be free from the bondage of the Egyptians that night. The celebration that they had to be set free. Well, it's the same thing. I used to think communion was a sad thing. Because it represented the death of my Lord and Savior. Yeah, it's sad on one hand. But on the other hand, praise God. We can say, praise God. I can take this bread. I can drink this cup. Because of my Savior, I'm not being condemned with the world. And I honor Him when I partake of communion but heed that warning don't take communion unworthy don't take it unworthy what makes us unworthy sin what makes us unworthy if we have something against somebody else what makes us unworthy what are we holding on to worry doubt bitterness are we jealous are we taking blame for things we have no control over when we should be giving everything over to God that's all he wants from us is everything now here's something else of significance that goes with this you see the altars in front of you do you know the altar is symbolic of Jesus Christ do you know that we send songs, cast all your cares on him, and bring your all on the altar. But Jesus says, "Cast all your cares on me." why? Because He cares for you. Give him everything. Give him everything. The altar was a place of sacrifice throughout the Old Testament that was the altar where they, they killed the lambs and the goats, and the blood was shed. That was where sacrifice was made, on that altar. That altar was symbolic of Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice. And what happens at the altar is between you and God. And if someone feels led to pray with you and they come and pray with you, then what happens at that altar is between you and God and that person that prayed with you and nobody else? It's sacred. It's sacred. So this morning, as the worship team comes back up, and as they they sing and do their song, that is our time for us to examine our own self. Don't worry about who's sitting behind you, in front of you, beside you. This is you and God. You have a direct connection to God Almighty through Jesus Christ. Not who's around you. It's through Jesus Christ. And I invite you to come to these altars that represent Jesus Christ and cast all your cares on Him. All of them, no matter what. And if you want to pray for somebody else because you know their need, pray for them too. It's an honor to come to Jesus. And as you look at these altars, picture Jesus standing before you with arms open wide, saying, come, just come to me. Jesus wants to wrap his arms around you and hold you and hug you and tell you everything is okay. We're going to take communion this morning and everything is okay because of what Jesus did For us. And we do this in remembrance of Him. So, as the worship team does their song, I invite you to come and prepare your heart, your upper room, for communion with Jesus Christ. Just as the disciples went and prepared the upper room in that house for the Passover, take the time to prepare your heart for communion with Jesus Christ.